0: spiritual food, that which nourishes the spirit and soul. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to have our ears to be open. Uh, The natural man eats with his mouth. The spiritual man eats with his ears because faith comes by hearing. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that our ears would be open to receive this holy meal that you have prepared for us and that it would cause us, Father, to encounter a faith that helps us to live day by day. We understand that time is winding down for many of us, God. You, you are soon to come. And my prayer, Lord, is that we would know who you are because heaven, Father God, it is. we want heaven to be our portion. And that only happens through a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. I ask for your anointing to be upon me as the speaker, the one who is breaking the bread, and your anointing to be upon the hearers as well. Not just so that they can hear the message, but they can do what you're asking us to do. And Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you all. We are in a new series. We started last week called Jesus Beings. And hopefully you've been chewing on that and understanding what that means. And we'll talk a little bit more about that meaning right now. But first, we'll have to go to Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 28. Just as a review, what is a Jesus being? Verse 22 says this, So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows, Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw many of your shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, To an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determines their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. So this next verse answers the question of what is a Jesus being? For in him we live and move and exist, or the King James Version says, have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So we just had Aidan up here and his parents were are Gabriel and Aleah. He got his being from them. He would not exist uh, had it not been for them and their union. So he owes their exist- his existence to them. And now, since they have given birth to him, they must also care for him and nurture him. So the Bible says that we must be born again. Church, can you say this with me? I must must be be born again. So we're all born once, but the Bible says we must be born again. So what does this mean? It means this, that no one gets to the Father unless they've been born again. There must be a spiritual rebirth. We've already, we already had a natural birth, but there needs to be a spiritual rebirth. And this new being that we have, have comes from our faith in Jesus Christ. And the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is that he doesn't judge us, right? He says, you know what? Whosoever will can come to me. It doesn't matter how long your track record of sin is. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking away from me. In just one moment, you can decide that I want this Jesus Christ to be mine. I want to be forgiven of my sins. And the Bible says that we become a new creation through our faith in Jesus Christ, and so he gives us a new being, a new identity. I'm not the same person I used to be many years ago because Jesus Christ got a hold of my life. Do I have any other witnesses here today that can say I'm not the same person I used to be once I gave my life to Jesus Christ? I have become a new being. He has totally transformed my life the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I move, now my being comes from him. He lives inside of me. So that's what it means to be a Jesus being, that all of our life now comes from him. Our faith, our hope, our love comes from this one that we know as Jesus Christ. So now we're going to, uh, the goal is to get through Colossians 2 today. So we're going to begin in Colossians 2, and I've labeled the beginning of this, the passion of Christ in Paul. So something you have to learn, the reason I'm calling you Jesus beings and not Christians is because Christian can mean anything anymore. There are some people out there living all kinds of wild lifestyles, calling themselves Christians, and it just doesn't match up to what the Bible says a Christian should be. So we need to clean this up and take it higher, have a higher standard of living than what the world says a Christian can be. So we're just going to call ourselves Jesus beings. Can you say this with me? I am am. a Jesus Jesus being. Man, that takes it real high. That says that, you know what, I equate myself with Jesus. Are we allowed to do that? Yes, because through our faith with him, we have a union with him, which gives us everything that's in him. His righteousness is mine. His peace is mine. His joy is mine. His strength is mine, and it's all by faith. That's why faith is so important, because it allows you to have what God has for you. Man, that's good. If you're taking notes, that's a good one to write down. The importance of faith is this, that it allows you to have what God has for you. And without faith, you can't have what God has for you. So we're in Colossians chapter 2. Listen to how passionate Paul is as he writes this letter. And something else you must have you, you you also have to understand is that Christ was in Paul. So that when you're a Jesus being or a Christian, everything that you do should be connected to God. It's really God in you doing the work. Man, that's good. It's God in you doing the work. So when you are a believer, when you serve God, when you live, when you love, it should be God who is on the inside of you doing it. So listen to this passion that Paul has as he writes uh, this letter to the Colossians, and this is the second chapter. Listen to what he says. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church of Laodicea. And for many other believers who have never met me personally. Okay, so he's agonizing. He's got this passion. He's like, there's something that I want you to have. And sometimes it gives me agony because I want to make sure that you get it and receive it. So what's your agony, Paul? What is your passion? Verse 2 tells us. It says this. I want them... And so while this letter was written to the Colossians, he knew that all believers eventually would read this. So he's talking to us now as well. And he's saying this, I want you all to be encouraged, number one, and number two, to be knit together by strong ties of love. So the first thing, and remember, it's Christ and Paul who's doing it, who's writing this letter. So it's Christ in Paul because the Bible is the word of God and all scripture was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So yes, it's Paul's hand on the pen, but it's really the mind of Christ that is writing this letter. And the, the, the number one thing that he's been agonizing about that he wants for you, church, listen, be encouraged. Be encouraged. There are just so many forces that are working against our courage in this world. There are so many opportunities you have to be discouraged. Food prices, gas prices, uh, war going on, uh, the political uh, cesspool out there. There's just so many things that we could be discouraged about and Christ is saying, listen, I have agony for you to have this one thing, be encouraged. The second thing he says is this. I want you to be knit together by strong ties of love. So church, listen, the only thing that's going to knit us together is strong ties of love. We have to love one another in such a powerful way that it's the thing that keeps us together. It's the thing that keeps a family together. It ha- There has to be the presence of love. Let's listen uh, further to what he had to say. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. So Paul is agonizing as he writes this letter and he's really hoping that its readers, those who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, have complete confidence and understand god's mysterious plan which is christ himself so listen church christ is god's mysterious plan It was hidden from creation for a long time. It was hidden from those in the Old Testament for a long time. But now it has been revealed Christ is God's mysterious plan. Now we've got to backtrack a little bit and go back to Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 through 23 so I can tell you what God's mysterious plan is. So first of all, we have to understand that there is a God that God is real and God created this earth for us, right? But He also has a plan. Say this with the church, God has a plan come on. So this God is far away, yes, uh, as far as distance is concerned, but really he's very close to us because it's in him we live and move and have our being. Your Apple phone or your Samsung phone did not wake you up this morning because we could take those phones to the cemetery and and set the alarm for 7 a.m. and those phones would go off and no one would get up. So it's not your phone that wakes you up in the morning, right? There has to be life still in you and they might alert you right a phone alerts you uh but but there must still be life in you right so we thank god that this god that uh seems to be far away is really near us and we have life from him and this god has a plan say this with me god has a plan Man, this is good news. So no matter what you're going through today, no matter how hard your life is today, no matter if you've got a a report from the doctor that wasn't good, maybe your marriage seems to be on the rocks, maybe your car didn't start right this morning, there's all kinds of issues that can happen in life, but God still has a plan and he has one major plan and that major plan is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is God's major plan. So let's listen to how this unfolds in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. So God chose Jesus as this mysterious plan to save us because Adam and Eve fell into sin. So how's he going to save us? Well, he's got a plan, and that plan is Jesus. So listen to this. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. Where did God live? In Christ. He also lives in us. That's what makes us Jesus beings. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. So when sin entered this world, man's fellowship with God was broken. They were evicted from the the garden. They were evicted from the presence of God. And God said, the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. They didn't drop dead with their natural bodies, but they died spiritually. They lost fellowship and connection to God. But through God's mysterious plan named Jesus Christ, he has redeemed us or reconciled us back to him. It says this, he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. By means of Christ's blood on the cross. Our, our praise seem, sang so beautifully that there's power in the blood. So that's what saved us. See, Jesus Christ was the sinless one. He came to this earth and committed no sin. And God needed a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the world. And that's what, how we believe on Jesus Christ. So when you are born again, what you're saying is this. I am a sinner. And, I, and that's a problem. I have I have broken fellowship with God, and the only way that I can have fellowship with God again and to live with Him forever is if I am reconciled, if I am made right with Him. And God's mysterious plan was to make all of creation right with Him again through His Son Jesus Christ. Let's keep going. Verse twenty-one. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you, right? Remember, Adam and Eve were removed from his presence, but God had a mysterious plan named Jesus Christ. And listen to what Jesus did. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. So sin took us out of the presence of God, but faith in Jesus Christ and what he did brings us back into the presence of God. Someone ought to say amen to that, right? That's good news. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And listen to what he says about these Christians, these believers, these Jesus beings. And you are holy and blameless As you stand before him without a single fault, right? So a man that doesn't know God should have great fear and trembling when it's time to meet God if he hasn't been reconciled to God, right? So it's like it's like a it's like this, it's like uh, a kid does something uh, while dad's away at work, right? And the kids and the mom says this boy. When your daddy gets home, that's enough to send fear through many of us, right? Depending on what generation you come from, it seems like kids aren't even afraid of that anymore, but many of us in here, that shook you right there, like you had a flashback, right? When your dad gets home, he's going to get you, right? So, oh man, I did something wrong, and now I'm in trouble with my father, and when he gets home, I mean, he's going to get me. So it'd be like this. The kid calls his dad at work, right? I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to, you know, dye this down a little bit. And says, dad, I really messed up. I talked back to mom. She told me to cut the grass. I said, why don't you cut the grass? And, and I really messed up, dad. I'm sorry. It was the wrong thing to do. You've taught me better. I, I've already cut the grass and I, I did all the trimming and I got up the grass clippings. Dad, please forgive me. I know I did wrong. And the, and, the, and the father says, son, I forgive you. It's over, and hangs up the phone. Do you know the relief that child would feel? Yeah. Saying, man, I was in big trouble, but I asked for forgiveness with all my heart, and I made things right, and so now when dad gets home, I'm not in trouble because I've made things right. That's the role of Jesus in all of this, right? So we, we, are, we are sinners by, by choice, right? We have decided to sin. And God says, I've got a problem with every sinner. And when my son comes back, the judgment starts, right? So we've made that phone call to God by faith and say, hey, God, yeah, hey, this is me, a sinner. You know your son, Jesus Christ, that you sent to die for me? Yeah, I'll take him as Lord. I want him to forgive me of all of my sins so that I could enter into eternity with you. And the father says, okay, I'll I'll receive you. I take away your wrath. The wrath that was supposed to be placed upon you has been placed upon my son. And now I receive you as my own. And that's the good news. Verse 22 says, 23 rather says this, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you receive when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So that's the good news, that men no longer have to be punished for their sins. Jesus Christ came and received all that punishment for us. Now we just believe on him as savior, and, but it doesn't stop there. The Bible says in verse 23, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Now let's go back to Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. Talking about Jesus Christ. So I'm laying a foundation as we work our way through the book of Colossians about what a Jesus being is. It's those that have their life now in Christ. So listen to verse three. It says this In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Talking about Jesus. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. He knows all things. And we saw this display when he was here. Remember the woman at the well that he had that encounter with? And he, she began, he told her, you know what? You say right that you're not married because the man that you live with isn't even your husband. And you had five husbands before that. And she says, you're a prophet. Like, how do you know this unless you are sent from God? So God knows all these things about, here's the beauty of God. He knows all these things about us, but still loves us. Still loves us and still wants to have relationship with us as well through his son, Jesus. Verse 4, I am telling you this. So Paul is saying that in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if we need wisdom and knowledge As much as we love Google, that's not the absolute source, right? Google is not God, right? So we have, when we're looking for absolute wisdom and knowledge, we have to find it in Christ. Why? Verse 4 tells us, I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. So he's warning us that there's going to be great deception in this world. There's going to be people who say things so smoothly that it sounds like the truth, but it's really a lie. And, and Paul is saying, and Jesus is saying through Paul, Always keep God as your ultimate source of wisdom and knowledge because hidden in Christ is all of those things so that you will not be deceived. Verse 5 tells us as Jesus beings what we are to do as Christians, as believers, and it says this, and I rejoice that you are living as you should. So that lets us know that there's a standard of living for believers. That is a way that we live, that we don't live like everyone else lives. We live as if Jesus were to live on this earth right now. That's the same way we live because it's in him that we live and move and have our being. A second thing that they were uh, championed about, it says this. That your faith in Christ is strong. So we must have a very strong faith in Christ if we're ever going to please God. And Hebrews 11:6 even tells us that. It says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So I told you all that God has a mysterious plan, right? And that plan was to save all mankind and humanity through Jesus Christ. But God's plan doesn't work unless we have faith in the plan. So that's why it says here that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Church, can you say this with me? It would please God God. to save my soul. Is that Bible, is that true? Yes, because he says that it is not his desire that any man should perish. So it would please God if our souls were to be saved. But the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is what makes God's mysterious plan to save mankind through Jesus Christ happen for us. So that is why our faith in Christ must be strong. Now, let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, and it says now this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And how do we follow? What does it mean to follow God? I can't even see him. I don't get direct phone calls from him. I don't have a map to him. How do I follow God? Well, if we're going to be Christians or Jesus beings, we follow God in the way that he told us to follow him. So we have to go to Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24 to find out how Jesus wants to be followed. 23 says this, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, so this is Jesus talking, right? So many of us in here are professed Christians, and we've believed on Jesus Christ for our salvation, but it doesn't stop there. We must follow. We must live a life that pleases him. And this is Jesus talking. If any of you want to be my follower, what do we have to do? He says, you must give up your own way. So why do we have to give up our own way? Because the Bible says that there's a way that seems right to every man, but in the end, there's only destruction there. We don't know the way to go unless God tells us, and we find that in the Bible, and we find that in the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's given us. If we, are, if we are left alone to find uh, eternal life without God, it is impossible. So you can work a good job. You can live in a good neighborhood. You can have a retirement. You can leave an inheritance to your children. You could have neighbors that say, oh, what a wonderful person this person is. But none of that really adds up to the righteousness of God, which is required for you to enter into eternal life. So you must have the righteousness of God, which is found in Jesus Christ, to enter into eternal life. And if we're going to enter into life, we must follow Jesus Christ, which means giving up our own way. If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your old life you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. All right, let's go on to Colossians chapter 2 verse 7. And it says this, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So As you are a Jesus being, your whole life comes from Him. See, um, by myself, right? Absent of Christ, I can be impatient. I can be angry. I can be things that, that don't represent Christ very well at all. And that's the same testimony all of us have. That apart from Christ, that we don't have a good or godly character. So as we have this relationship with Jesus Christ, Colossians is saying, let your roots grow down into him. So anytime you plant a flower or a, a, a vegetable into the soil, the roots have to grow down into the plant. Why, why into the soil? Why is, why is that? Because all of the plants nutrients come from the soil. And when it rains, the roots drink up the water from what? From the soil. And when the wind begins to blow, the roots have grabbed the ground so that it can stand strong when the storms come against that plant. So the Bible is saying this, that as you have chosen Jesus Christ to be your Lord, let your roots grow down into him. How do we do that? You're doing it right now. You have brought yourself to church to hear the word of God so that your roots can grow into this truth. As you go throughout the week, you're supposed to be in your Bible so that your roots can grow into the truth. So that everything in Christ, because the Bible and Christ are one, so that everything in Christ could become, uh, could, could get its, you could receive your life source from Christ. Okay? So, it's talking about roots. Let's go to John chapter 15, verses 4 through 5, and hear what Jesus says. He says this, remain in me, right? Have any of you ever saw a plant get up and walk? So if if you need prayer for whatever addiction you have that causes you to see that, we can help you, right? But plants, once they're rooted, they don't move, okay? And here's what Jesus is saying, remain in me. And I will remain in you. Can, can we say thank you, Lord, for that? Okay, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch, which is, which is what we are as Jesus beings, cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. So a Jesus being is fruitful because we find our source of life in Christ because our roots have grown into him. So let's hear what this fruit is. Uh, this fruit sounds like. So as a Jesus wing, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to have the characteristics of Jesus Christ because that is what your roots are in. Now, when we were in sin, we had the characteristics of sin in our life, okay? Listen to this, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. It talks about what our life should look like as Jesus beings if our roots have grown down into him. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Where is it? Where is it? In our lives. So if you are a Jesus being, it means that your roots have grown down into him and you are growing and you are fruitful because through your fruitfulness God is glorified so here's what your life should like look like if you're a Christian who has your foundation in Christ you're following him you're loving him you're absorbing everything that has to do with him because it is in him you live and you move and have your being what's that sound like who are these people what should we be looking for if a person says that they are a Christian or a believer what should their life be producing. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Are you ready for this? Here's what's inside of you. Should be inside of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, There are times when I do not display those fruits in some situations. And then I have to say, Father, forgive me, because I snapped. I went off. I, was, I did not display the fruit of the Spirit. I was displaying the fruit of who I used to be, right? Because sometimes we go through some things in life, and we understand that we've got some roots that are growing into some places that are not Christ. And the way that we can tell is that when we go through a situation and we don't have joy, we don't have peace, we're not patient we're not kind, we're not good, we're not faithful, we're not gentle, and we don't have self-control, it means that our roots are running into somewhere other than Christ. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So, we've got roots every person has roots that runs out of them, right? And what these roots really are is your thoughts, your your will, your desires. So outside of Christ, if you've got roots that run to places outside of Christ, that's where we find our sin life. That's where we find the, the problems and issues that we have because they are not planted in a good place. It says, verse 24, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. So here's the here's what that looks like. So as a Christian, most actually all of your passion, all of your desires, all of your life should be rooted in the Christ. But every once in a while we have some that grow over the pot. So Christ is here, but we've got some desires that grow outside of Christ, right? And what the Bible says is this. You need to grab up all those roots that are not in Christ, pull them up, and we nail them to the cross, And we say, you know what, this is not godly, and this is not godlike, and I don't want this in my life, so I'm going to nail this to Christ's cross, or actually the cross that he has called us to carry. Because remember, we said this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily. So as we follow Jesus Christ, every once in a while, we're gonna have some desires that are ungodly. And because that we've picked up the cross to deny ourselves and not go our own way, come on church, you recognize that this about me is not good. This thing about me is not godly and I've got to pull those roots out of the world and I've got to nail them to the cross and say all my sinful desires have been crucified with Jesus Christ. Now, none of us are perfect. Every once in a while, those roots are going to grow up and over the boundaries of a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we must allow the Holy Spirit to say, listen, listen, you're you're becoming too impatient with people. Get your anger out of control. Your anger has grown outside of Christ and you're you're too impatient with people. That's not like me. Come on. As a a Jesus being, we should hear him at times say, the way that you're treating people right now is not the way that I would treat people. The way that you're loving people right now is not the way that I would love people. And we should say, okay, Lord, I am sorry. I uproot that anger and put it in your love. So now that I can deal with people as you would, because I am a Christian. I am a Jesus being. I am a believer. What's that mean? It means this that when you're born again, it's as if you died and Christ came to life in you. Now, your soul is still intact, right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. But the spirit of God, the light of God is flowing through your soul now. And everyone that sees you should have an encounter with Jesus Christ. So all of us are the body of Christ. Not not one of us represents Christ totally in and of ourselves. But all Christians and all believers all over the world, we are the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's finish up here. Colossians 2 and 8, we remember that it said, do not let anyone capture you. And this is why we go to God alone for all wisdom and knowledge is found in Christ. You got to be careful, especially with this AI stuff going on now, this artificial intelligence, because the truth is, if they wanted to, if they wanted to, One of our leaders could actually die, and we not know, right? But they show you videos as if it was that person talking, and computer imagery and voice makeover can be that good that you think it's actually that person still leading you, and they're not even alive anymore. Okay, we gotta be careful with this AI stuff. I mean, Alexa's pretty cool to turn the light on in the house and stuff like that, but there's some stuff that's way wilder than we can ever imagine that they're gearing these computers up to do, so we've got to be careful. Listen, so we've got to learn how to unplug. Church, can you say unplug? unplug. we got to unplug from these phones sometimes, and we got to unplug from these computers and say, God... I want my relationship with you to be lived just like this. I do not need a medium in between us, right? I need absolute truth just from you alone because I don't want to be deceived. So verse 8 says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ." So there's demonic information out there that they're trying to feed the masses to try to trick us, but God is saying, be very careful. Don't let anyone capture you that way. Verse nine, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So you also, come on, this is good news here. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head of every ruler in authority. Say this with me, church. I am am complete complete through through my my union union with Christ. Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're not complete. If you don't have union with Christ, you're not complete. Now, um, it's unfortunate that many people have a broken relationship with God, because they went to an imperfect church. And I gotta tell you this, there is no perfect church. Wherever there are people, there are imperfections. Your job isn't, I almost said ain't, so I'm I'm gonna keep that there. Your job ain't perfect, but you still go get that money, don't you? Right? You don't say, these people here are fake, I don't wanna work here anymore. No, because you've got bills to pay until God blesses you with another job. As good as Chick-fil-A is, let's use somebody else. As decent as McDonald's is, right, they are not perfect. They're going to mess up your order sometime, right? As, as, as messed up as fast food and restaurants can be, everyone here has had a messed up order somewhere before. Every single one of us. But you didn't stop going out to eat, did you? Not a one of you, right? So why is it that if something happens in one church that that, that 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 the enemy set up against you, that you say, you know what? I'm never going to church again. We have that. We don't have that attitude with anything else. We still keep going to broken jobs, broken restaurants, uh, all of these things. But when it comes to church, we say, since it's not perfect, I'm not going back there. Christ is the only one that's perfect, right? So it's not your union. It's not your union with a church that makes you complete. It's your union with Christ that makes you complete. Amen? All right. Verse 11. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised and I'm almost it. I'm almost done, right? We only got a few a few more verses to go, okay? When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. So listen to what happened to Jesus beings. This is why we can be called Jesus beings. That's why I'm not a Jesus Jesus plus Damien being. That's why when I say I'm a Christian, I don't say I'm a Christian and Damien because my whole, man, this is good. My whole identity is now found in Christ since I've been born again, right? So it says this, this is what Jesus did for us. It says, the, uh, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. So before Christ brought you into himself, there's something he had to cut away from you, right? And it says that uh, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Can we praise God for that for just a moment? <clears throat> So while Christ loves everybody, he doesn't join himself to everybody. He only joins himself to those who repent of their sins and say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what he does for them is he cuts away their sinful nature so that he can join themselves to him. Amen? What a beautiful truth we find there. Verse 12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead you were dead remember I told you that uh, in the beginning God told them the day you eat from the fruit of this tree you will surely die and everyone born after that was spiritually dead verse 13 says you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Praise God for that. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or sabbaths for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come and christ himself is that reality don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious which means godly self-denial or the worship of angels saying that they have had visions about these things Their sinful minds have made them proud. So listen, I know some of you follow Facebook and Instagram and uh, TikTok preachers and prophets and all that. Please be careful. Please be careful of who you're joining yourself to and what you're listening to out there. Because sometimes pride takes over. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with all of its joints and ligaments And it grows as God does what? Nourishes it. So remember, our roots are in Christ, and he nourishes us. All right, finally. And um, verse 20. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Say this with me, church. This is so key. Say this with me. I I have died with Christ, and he has set me free. From the spiritual powers of this world. So that lets me know this that if I've been set free from the spiritual powers of this world because He has cut away my sinful nature, how do they have access to us? Through the sinful nature right it's through the sinful nature that demonic powers have access to your life so while you live in sin you give demonic powers access to your life but when you allow god to cut away your sinful nature and allow him to make you one with Jesus Christ, Jesus takes you to a secret place to which the enemy has no weapon formed against you that can prosper. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm not promising every day will be good, but every day will be godly. He will be there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You will have trouble in this world. But be of good cheer, because Jesus says this, I have overcome the world. Listen, you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Can you please stand to your feet this morning? So, you have been graced this morning to hear God's plan. You were blessed this morning for your ears to be open and to hear the good news that God wants to save your soul. He desires because nothing sinful and nothing wicked can enter into heaven, right? So something must be done because we, are, we were dead in our sin. So we needed new life through Jesus Christ. And that's what a Jesus being is, someone who has their being now, In Jesus do you ever think about heaven do not be so earthly minded that you never think about leaving this place because we all have to go and our eternity is going to be way longer than the span of our life ever was we all must come to a conclusion right now listen to me if this was your last day on earth how positive are you that when your heart stops beating and your eyes open on the other side, where will you be? If you're depending on your own goodness, I promise you, you won't see God's face. If you're thinking that I've been a good person and I think I'm okay with God, that's not God's mysterious plan. God's mysterious plan was not that people would live such a good life that they could get to heaven on their own merit. God's mysterious plan was that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death on the cross for the sins of people, and they would believe on him and be saved. That's the plan. And if that's not your plan to heaven, honey, you need a new plan. The plan must be through Jesus Christ. Now listen. He doesn't care about your sins. He can take care of those. It doesn't matter how many sins you've committed up to this point. He died for them. All he's saying is, your sin no longer separates you from me. I've given you a measure of faith to believe this preacher this morning that I've got a plan to save you. The question then is, do you want to be saved? Do you want to spend eternity with God or without God? Father, I have given them this message today. Jesus beings, Christians, those who have their sins forgiven and who have the power of death and sin removed from them Because they have found new life, not in church. They have found new life, not in keeping all the rules. They have found new life, and not in being a perfect person, but they have found new life through faith in Jesus Christ. That's who makes it to heaven. Those who fulfill his good plan. So Father, today, is a new day. And your word says, today is the day of salvation. So if there's someone here today, God, that you desire to save and set free from their sinful nature, let them come. Allow them to be brave this morning and say, you know what? I'm not going to leave this building without (coughs) knowing, (coughs) excuse me, without knowing God personally, through his son, Jesus Christ. Father, by your Holy Spirit, begin to draw men unto your son, Jesus Christ, right now. Allow men to look inside of their hearts. Allow women to look inside of their hearts and say, is God here? Have I received the gift of salvation that's only found in believing on Jesus Christ? Do you mean to tell me that I don't have to live a perfect life. One has already been lived in Christ, and all I have to do is have faith on him, and the righteousness that he had is credited to my account? Yes, that's what faith is for. Faith is to make you right with God. Don't ever think that you are too far from God to be made right with God. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all of our sin and he puts his Holy Spirit within us. So today I invite any of you that are here that desire to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior to raise your hands high all over the building. If you know you're not right with God, and you feel that this message is for you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to raise your hand and give your life to Jesus. Keep him up high. Keep him up high. All over the church, there should be those that say, you know what, I don't think I'm right with God. And listen to this information. Don't you allow the person standing next to you to cause you any kind of embarrassment to miss out on heaven. Don't think, well, what will my friend think if I raise my hand right now? What will my wife think? What will my neighbor think if I raise my hand right now? Don't allow anyone to make you embarrassed of Jesus right now. So again, if you're not right with God and you desire for him to save you right now, all I ask you to do is raise your hand and we're going to go into prayer right now. Just repeat after me. Father, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I repent. I am a sinner in need of grace. I've heard the message this morning that you have a plan to save me. I thank you for the faith you've given me to believe the good news. Jesus, I'm sorry. All my sins have been committed against you. Please forgive me. Now, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. He died on the cross and rose from the dead for me. And through faith, by grace, I now believe I am a child of God. Give me your Holy Spirit to help me follow as I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we celebrate those that have given their life to Christ this morning.